The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by Squarespace, the easiest solution to web design around. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and use the offer code IGN for 10% off your order. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. 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 What? What was that? Yeah, I watched Beavis and Butthead do America last night. Um, Did you eat a spring? Beyond. Um, yeah, so more Bounce of the Ounce. What's up? Welcome to Podcast Beyond number 389. I'm your host, Max Scova. With me is Marty Sleva. Hey, how's it going? Brian Altano. Brett, Brett. That's what it says on the cup. That's right. Mitch Brandy. Dyer. It's very rude that you didn't answer Marty's question. What, did I eat a spring? No. How are you? Oh. I'm okay. All right. How are you? Good. You don't Glad like to be here. Thank you for having me. How is everyone? I have a goal. Everything's really good. I have a goal for this episode. Yeah. What is it? Breathe less into the microphone. That's great. That's Thank good, you so much. Tip. I think we're a lot always, of people... We're constantly trying to improve everything. Yeah. yeah. All of it. But also, yeah. that's just because my lungs aren't good, and I have asthma, and I smoke, and there was a dog in the office today. You also, yeah. it's fun. We we actually made this microphone cover, this pop shield. It's actually made out of woven uh, <laughs> French poodle fur. It's just... It's the, <laughs> that explains everything. If you see, like, dogs that have, like, the poofy little, like, black bobtails and the yeah. big ears, and the French ladies are walking them, those are... That's what we make microphones out of. Well, French ladies. Yeah. There you go. Um, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about. There's uh, They keep making games. They yeah. keep coming out with more of them. When will they stop? I don't know. <laughs> I want to sleep so much, but they keep making the games. Um, Witcher three, we got our first fifteen minutes of that. Uh, did you did you get a did you get a look at that, Mitch? Was that a thing you did? I've seen that video. You Mitch. went all the way to you po- also to, went to Poland. To Poland, uh, Marty's motherland. Yeah, wow, um, that's that's awesome. We can still talk about Bloodborne because people are still playing Bloodborne. Me Bloodborne. specifically, yeah. you yeah. Bloodborne. I want to talk about some Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, Star Wars Battlefront is going to be getting. Revealed in like a week, kind of. Two we're gonna weeks. get see two yeah. weeks. In, we're gonna see, but we. I guess they announced that they're doing play testing for that. Uh, and then, meanwhile, uh, Square Enix is doing this weird viral thing, which may or may not be for Deus Ex. Every time I hear that, I think of Day of Sex, like an entire. I think of day da- of I think of da- Dave Sex, which is like a. That sounds like the lead singer of a band that would wear shorts on stage. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what's up? It's me, Dave Sex, lead singer of Inauguration. <laughs> We spell it with an eight. I'm a con- I'm a condom machine. <laughs> that's, the, that's the DJ. My name is Dave Sex. I'm a con- How do we get out of this? All right. Um, so yeah, wh- great work wh- so far. What man. I want to talk about? I don't. I don't know. Um, 
Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Max. What can I do for you? Um, why don't you Why don't you stop being the Mitcher and start being the Witcher and tell us about what it's like in the in the land of Poland Jeez. where they make yeah. I'll throw everything on this table. <laughs> I, I am ruining everything. What is wrong with you on Mondays? I You're... don't know. I'm. I don't know. It's a weird mix of like caffeine and sadness and okay. Garfield and. I someone told Water. me that Garfield, the official Garfield Twitter account, blocked you. Yeah, <laughs> I've been blocked by Garfield on Twitter because I was too mean to it. <laughs> uh, the official Kathy yeah. Twitter or, or Instagram <laughs> blocked. <laughs> Wow. Marty is actually joking. Wow. If you want to see Whoa. water come wow. out of Marty's nose, watch the podcast me on video. <laughs> All right. I did not expect a Kathy joke. Well, oh, wow. Well. we'd get Sometimes. out of this episode without a <laughs> Here we are. Okay, so Mitch. So, what was the question? Mitch, you went to Poland to yeah. play a video game? That's insane. Why does that still happen? Uh, Why don't they just send the video game to you? I don't know, but we went to Warsaw, and we went to CD Projekt Red's office, and yeah. we played... We, we sat down, and they were like, yo, do you guys want to play The Witcher for two hours? And we said, yeah, no problem, cool. And there were four of us. It was me, Daniel Krupa in the UK, Rich Bear Park, and Gav Murphy all out of the UK. We sat down to play for two hours, and six hours later, they were like, you guys want to get dinner? Mm-hmm. You, you done? So we played Witcher 3 for six hours. That's awesome. Which is the first time we have ever uh, played that game for more than like a half an hour to now, see if it's mm-hmm. a real game. Did Which you are... play the first two hours three times or did you play no, we, six we hours? We started and then we just played straight through. You laugh, hours. but we've gone to events where they're just like, yeah. Yeah. play it again. That was like, right. You did that for Metal Gear, didn't yeah. you, Max? Just beat it. <laughs> like, I mean, that's not very long. Game. The difference is, is that uh, that's apparently you played less than three percent of The Witcher. Jeez. Yeah, because yeah. that is apparently an it's over two hundred hour long game. Which is something I can totally see. Like we, we we were playing the game and we played a few hours and we zoomed out on the map. We're like, wow, look how much stuff there is. Like, look at all these areas we haven't been to, all these towns, mm-hmm. all these quests that we haven't opened up. And they're like, yeah, check it out. Here's this build over here where uh, you can see every quest and every icon of every location. And it's the same map, but it's just like little icons everywhere, like everywhere. So I was going to ask you about that, actually, because that sort of overwhelms me in games like um, Assassin's Creed. Like yeah. Assassin's Creed actually started starts to feel like, especially the newest one, when you open up your map, it's like, oh, my God, I have so much to do. It's actually slightly overwhelming. It's awesome to sort of conquer it all. Big difference, though, is is that in the case of Assassin's Creed, I feel like a lot of time that stuff is collectibles. You know, it'll be like, climb the thing or like get the piece of paper that blew away well, yeah in the case of the witcher, witcher it's a story it's, yeah. it's either a story that it, it's like a quest story that you can go find which is great because the side quests are like long enough and substantial enough and kind of segue naturally from one to the next that they are their own story and they are like the building blocks of a larger drama there's something funky in my haunted beach house Geralt want to go check it out <laughs> yeah and then, <laughs> what like, could go wrong there's one quest where like you get a job from a guy in a bar and you go do it and you help somebody do a thing you come back and you're like, I did it, pay me. And he says, cool, no problem. And then dudes who don't like him come in to like give him trouble because you did this thing. And depending on how that situation goes, you might end up in jail. Mm-hmm. And then you have like this other side quest where it's like, you need to break out of jail now. And you could just avoid that if you like talk. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. Now here's my here's a big question I have because The Witcher is a game. This is a weird game to be coming out on a Sony platform because the last two games never did. Yeah. They do not yeah. exist. Yeah, yeah. Like you can you can play Witcher 2 on PC or on 360. You can play Witcher 1 on PC. Like that's it. Yeah. I guess you can play it on Mac too, but you know, who's counting? Um so how does it work story-wise? Cuz like I've I've read the I've read some of the books. I've read the comic. I've like I've played Witcher 2. I st- 
I was watching the first 15 minutes of gameplay, and I was like, what the hell are they talking about again? It's a yeah, really good question. Like, what, what, what is their sort of plan for catching people up? There kind of isn't one. I mean, they have an opening cutscene where it's like, it's very clear, like, oh, here's this, like, black-haired sorceress that the main character is pursuing in a way that it's like, he clearly is in love with her, and it's not... Like, he is chasing her while she and he are both being chased by this other nefarious group. Right. So that's all in, like, cutscenes, and even, like, the loading screens have descriptive comic book style mm. story elements. But, it, like, if this is your first Witcher, it is actually, I think, the best place to start in the entire series. Good. The first game has, obviously, it's, like, the foundation, but it's very dense. It's very long. There's a lot to take in. There's a lot of unnecessary story stuff. The Witcher 2 is like, cool, you played The Witcher 1? Right on, cool. No, I didn't. I don't care. We're going to move on as though you have, and we're not going to stop to linger on and, anything. Oh, and if by the way... sorry. They move yeah. on. The Witcher 3 is... like That history exists, but it's not like you have to mm. understand what happened in The Witcher 2 to even understand why you're doing the thing you're doing. It's like, got it, okay. Geralt is in love with this woman named Yennefer. Yennefer is missing. You're pres- uh, her name's Jennifer. You're mispronouncing Sorry, that's why I'm saying. Yeah. So, Geralt goes after Jennifer. Gerald. It's actually Gerald. <laughs> Gerald it's, it's Riviera. Gerald and Jennifer. Geraldo Riviera. So, Dave's chasing after Julia. It's, it's, it's Yave. <laughs> so, Geralt is looking for Jennifer, uh, and that just takes you on your quest. And throughout that, it's like, there's just more time to stop and take in the world and learn about stuff and learn things from the locals and, like, read your diary entries and learn about characters and locations and histories in a way that The Witcher 2 didn't. Mm-hmm. So if this is your first time, yes, it's going to be overwhelming because it's here's this lived-in world that's been here for centuries and there's all these conflicts that's building up into this climactic third chapter. But you're going to be all right. Like, you're mm-hmm. going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, the motivations of the characters are... So you think it'll be an okay sort of, like, first... This is your first Witcher game. I think it's totally fun. Okay. Because we went, like, the three UK guys didn't ever play a Witcher game. Yeah. And they were all like, yeah, it's a little much to take in, but all of it is really cool. I mean, honestly, a lot of fantasy games, when you jump in, are a little much. A lot of fantasy anything is just a little much. I mean, it's like, I have to learn all these new rules. Yeah. But the concept between something like Dragon Age and um, Witcher 2, where Dragon Age takes the time to be like, hey, welcome. Here's some cool stuff. Yeah. Some of this race. Here's this church. There's this conflict. Yeah. And you're like, all right, I get the basics. Everything else is just dressing, and you know, people in the world talk about it as though it's a thing that just happens there. Like, <laughs> The Witcher Two did not do that. It's like it did not take any any time to talk to mm-hmm. you at all about what you were seeing. And the, I mean, the thing they is, you know what this is. It's so also deal with it. Witcher Two. I mean, which The Witcher. I, I don't. I never played the first one, so I don't know where that fell exactly. But Witcher Two takes place after six books. Like, it takes place after an entire series of novels. Yeah, well, it... So the first game adapts some of the short stories right. from that collection. The Kikimura. Uh, sure. Yeah. I don't remember that one. It's like a spider with that's alligator a lot legs. Of, or uh, alligator with spider legs. That's whatever. kind of a lot of homework yeah. expected yeah, before you start yeah, yeah. a game. Yeah. So the, the first book was like, hey, we're going to grab from these short stories and a little bit from, like, over here and over here, and we built this new game. The Witcher 2 was an entirely original story with some influences from the books. The Witcher 3 is like, forget all of that. Like, okay. There's this stuff with Yennefer that I don't really think has been explored. Uh, the stuff with Ciri is happening at a different... It's almost like a different timeline. Because the, the Ciri story and the Yennefer story are happening at a different time. Okay. They're happening together here. Okay. I'm like, Ciri I'm... Ciri second playable character and like Geralt's protege. Sure, yeah, yeah. Ciri, I mean, Ciri's introduced in the books. And uh, the, not all the books are even out stateside yet. You know, unless you want to pirate some books... Fan translations or whatever. Read Polish. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really looking don't forward to this. Don't pirate or don't read Polish. Uh, both of them. Okay. Don't read. Um, one of them is easier than the other. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm extremely excited about it. this. Is I yeah. mean, this is this yeah. is the. I'm not even. This is one of the reasons I bought a, a PlayStation Four. I'm just like this is probably going to be one of my first like really sinking my teeth into yeah. a game. Yeah. And just, yeah. I just... built my PC in 2011 for The Witcher Two. I built like I wanted to make sure I had a kick-ass PC that could run The Witcher Two. Mm. And now I'm like, man, can I run The Witcher Three? Because it looks really good. <laughs> yeah. and it's really big. So yeah, I wanted to ask that too. Like this was one of the first. Uh, Next gen games we saw, like I remember when the yeah, when it was like a GI right. cover story, like In three years ago. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, that was back when people wouldn't even acknowledge that there was next gen consoles. consoles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you looked at the screens, and you're like, well, this is obviously not 360. Yeah, see other um, So, I mean, does the game still look that good? Like, yep. Is it that? Yep. Yeah. We went into this like they said you're going to play two hours. We thought, okay, that's a pretty small portion. They let us play six. We went in going like, all right, is this a game? They've delayed it so many times. Like, is this going to be anything remotely as ambitious as what they've talked about? Like, have they scaled it down? Is it different? Is the ambition less? It's really not. Like, it is that good looking, and the world is that big, and it is that complicated. There's just so much to do and see. It is overwhelming and super exciting at the same time. Like, it's exactly what you want from that kind of open world game. Mm-hmm. Where there's these big, beautiful scenes that you can like run on horseback across the plains and see something interesting in the distance and go check it out, and it leads you to some new location that you never expected to see. I love that stuff. Like yeah, that is that's... what a good open world game mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And in the six hours we played, like we could have gone a lot farther, but we all just took all our, took all the time we could. I to was see I was so impressed by the first demo of Witcher Three that um, that's actually what got me into it. Like I'd played I'd played uh, Witcher Two when it came to 360, kind of like I think I. Reviewed it. I didn't really, didn't really finish it. It was one of the first sort of reviews I did with Rev Three Games, and we were kind of experimenting with our model of it. But it was sort of like, sure, I didn't know what the hell I was getting into with that. I kind of didn't really grasp it. I didn't really fully. I, I guess I didn't really grok the whole like the fantasy that they have set up there. Uh, and after seeing Witcher Three, I was like, I'm gonna go give this another chance. I'm gonna go start this over. I'm gonna go read the book. I uh, yeah. The uh, the first book of short stories is awesome. It's fabulous because it's, really it's all just like it's. You, you don't really pick it up until after a certain point, but it's just like basically perverted fairy tales. Like they take like classic fairy tales, but kind of re- re- revisit them in that in like a believable, fleshed out universe. Like why is you know why would why would this thing be like this? Why would you know why would this uh, this classic fairy tale ever happen in real life? And they build a world around it. And it's it's awesome. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Plus did, beards. Did you hunt anything wild? Uh. So. The only subtitles. Like, yeah, I got you. Yeah. The only real thing we hunted was a griffin because the the first the prologue is basically like, yo, this griffin's terrorizing this town, and we'll tell you where to find this person you're looking for if you like help us solve this griffin problem. And you can go about it a number of different ways, but like the way I did it was I tracked it like using all these different materials. I brought it out of hiding, and then I tracked it back to its home, and I found like it had uh, had this like big nest. And these humans had killed its mates, so it was just like raging out of this town. And there are different things you can find to kind of get the griffin's attention to bring it out of hiding, to follow it to where you need it to, to kill it. And it's a, it's pretty cool. I hope that's an element that exists throughout, and it's not just like this one-time thing. To- yeah, totally. That seems like something they really, they really want to do. And I, I really, I really like the fact that 
they they create mechanics in The Witcher that are like kind of actually built around the the lore. Like they're not just oh yeah, he uses potions, therefore here are potions that refill your mana or yeah. potions that do this thing. It's like you'll have one like extremely really weirdly specific potion. And the downside is that it's vaguely toxic. Like the whole thing was in, in the in the second one. All the, all the potions had like a toxicity to them. Mm-hmm. So like you can't just be like, I'm going to take eight. It's not like, you know, Skyrim where you're like, oh, no, I got bit by a dog. I'm going to eat five loaves of bread and it's everything's fine. Yeah. It's like in The Witcher, you're like, like, well, like, I'm yeah. about to fight a spider by burning it to death. I have to uh, take a potion that makes me resilient to you know, arachnid venom, but also that bolsters my fire spells. So you take like two potions and you're like, if I take any more potions, I will vomit myself to death right now. <laughs> Which is like, it's actually, that's a lot more like real life medicine. Yeah. Because real life totally. medicine is always just like, take this pill to make you happy, but it'll make your butt bleed. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And it is at, there's at the end, there's like a banjo playing and there's one, is small text at the bottom. It's like your butthole will totally bleed. <laughs> so they terrifying. Um, one thing I'm really excited about about The Witcher 3 is that once they finish it, they're going to start working on Cyberpunk, which yeah. is going to just rock so much ass. I'm so excited about that freaking game. It's going to be so cool. That's Yeah, but they... God, I mean, it's, now, it's I, just... I want that box quote now. This game rocks ass. <laughs> so much ass. I'll have you know that my copy of MotorStorm Pacific Rift says that on it. Does it? Because I wrote it on there with a Sharpie. Because <laughs> I love that game so much. But uh, Were you um, one of those kids that wrote your name on NES games? Or were you a no, Genesis kid? No, I was a tidy kid. Got it. I, I just I just kids. got I had I would eat a lot of sticky food and then handle things yep. and get them all messed I up. I used to lend people games and they would write their name on it and then that's like basically you're I think <laughs> you're allowed you're legally allowed to punch yeah. them in the face in <laughs> front of their parents. They call those people <laughs> celebrities. Yeah. yeah. They're just like here check this out. They're like, "Oh, I'll sure I'll sign this for you." Anyway, um Cyberpunk. Uh that's what the the, the CD Project Red is going to be doing next. And they've announced this a million years ago. They seem to be yeah. doing kind of like as much as I So what is this, what is this game? Cyberpunk is based on the uh, the first pen and paper role playing game that was based on like cyberpunk, like Blade Runner and yeah. uh, you know William Gibson novels, uh, and they've got the original guy. Um, crap, I'm drawing a blank uh, on his Steven name. Steven Spielberg. It's not it's Steven something. It's William Steve, Gibson. Not William Gibson. It's Steve. I have a book. I have one of his one of his. Wait, is that the sorcery guy? Yay Vienna. It's the guy who did Harrison Ford. Damn it. <laughs> All I can think is Steve Sansweet, but he's the guy who writes no, the Steve toy Sansweet. guides. I know who he is. I know who right. Steve Sansweet Power is. Power through it. Anyway, this Steve guy, <laughs> who's I'm drawing a blank on his name. He's the guy who wrote the original game, like the, the the guidebook and the rules and rule set yeah. for this you know cyberpunk so guy world, who did, like Warhammer and Steve Jackson. Probably, maybe not yes. Steve. Ja- it's not Steve Jackson. Not? It's a different different one. I don't know. He's Peter Jackson. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, angry dad. Um. So anyway, they got the they got the guy who wrote the original like the original rule set for a really good RPG back in 1984 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they're having George him- Orwell. I can leave. I can just leave. I can just get up and I can leave. Um, and they're having write the, the rule set for the game. Like they're having him adapt this. And the original was Cyberpunk 2025, but that's probably when that game's actually going to come out. So this is Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. Um, and so he wants to do like it's kind of going to be like that kind of um, you know paleo futuristic approach to Cyberpunk, where everyone's got like cyborg implants and and Oculus Rifts and the you know the dumb which, which could still happen stuff. by 2077. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But like. The, a little bit corny, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. just like it's kind of like a little bit too Judge Dreddy and a little bit, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, I mean, that first teaser they showed was yeah. super like serious and on point. It was that yep. that girl and she was half robot. And yeah, bullets everywhere. but that's at that point that. that's yeah. not really like that's an like that's almost a fantastic future. You know, that's not really. Um, it's it's kind of funny because if we if you if you want 
like if you want realistic sci-fi, you look at like post cyberpunk because we kind of we already have the internet now and things have kind of changed. But anyway, they got this guy coming in and he's got like a sense of like what you know actual futurism is, and he wants to really address the fact that everyone has phones. I'm you know, find this this thing for you, but I yeah. can't find it. I can't find um, it anywhere. Stephen Billy. Search teenagers from outer space. Got it. Um, anyway. He also did that. It's a different different game. Um, But yeah, so like the fact that everyone does have smartphones and in like classical kind of cyberpunk, you know, futuristic literature, people have like cyberspace decks. They have like an Ono Sendai, you know, and you're going to use this, you're going to use some goggles to hack into the, you know, the Matrix or whatever. But it's like we don't have the Matrix. We have like, you know, yeah, we've got Gmail and stuff and texting. And Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's going to be quite that realistic as you can kind of guess by the lady with the knives for arms in the trailer. Um, But CD Projekt Red did drop one thing that I'm, I hope that I understand this correctly and that this is the something they're actually implementing because it is one of the coolest game mechanics I've ever heard about. Uh, they talked about how they want to have languages in the game and how you will get cyber cybernet or um, cybernetic uplink or you know upgrades to your your like brain that lets you understand language. So you'll be like instead of you know getting a Rosetta Stone or whatever, learning how to speak Portuguese or something, yeah. you just buy a chip that lets you like a like a Babelfish kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. like now you can communicate with this, but. If they and if I mean I don't know if that's gonna if that's gonna be the thing they, they said that they want to have it in the game so you can buy you can buy good ones that translate everything or less good ones that are sort of broken so I it's like you're that. using Google Translate <laughs> yeah. now the third element here that I'm really hoping that they stick to and I don't know maybe they'll hear this and they'll implement it or something but um, I, I love the idea of just having a game that has parts of it that aren't translated and it's like if you speak Spanish in real life then you don't need to get this thing because mm-hmm. you were applying one of your real-life skill that sets. That is awesome. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> if if they have people speaking, like, Vietnamese in the game and I'm, like, sitting on my couch with my girlfriend who speaks Vietnamese and I could be like, hey, what did they say? And she can help <laughs> me. They're talking about me. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, otherwise, awesome. I have to save up and get a chip that teaches yeah. me how to, like, th- That's the really fact that, cool. yeah, like, language as a, as a real-life ability, you know, I mean, or or maybe implementing actual like actual coding and like hacking and stuff. Yeah. Like if you have a game that lets you hack within the game to access things in the world. Yeah. I mean, as opposed to just like a stupid like tile puzzle. Yeah, I love yeah. that idea of like if you have a real world skill, you can do something in the game that otherwise you would. It's not that it's locked off to you, but it's you need to spend in game currency in order yeah. to do this. But if you have a real world skill, you don't. Yeah, That's super cool. I don't know. So anyway, that was a long walk to get there, but I'm yeah. really excited about Cyberpunk. That's probably gonna that's gonna be so incredible when it comes I don't out. Think but that's gonna be a 2016. Um, no, that is gonna come out in 2077. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but Witcher Three looks yeah. fantastic. So what else? Uh, IGN first. Uh, what else can we expect the rest of the month? Yeah, so we're gonna have a big hands-on preview with impressions of we all played that six hours. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. We're going to have uh, lots of really interesting new footage. I don't want to spoil too much of what it's gonna be just yet. Mm-hmm. We've got. Lots of first looks at stuff that you're going to want to see with like new characters and new locations and new monsters. More Yennefer? So maybe some Yennefer. Mermaids? Do we get to see the mermaids? Mermans? Are there, Mer- are there mermans in this game? Mermaids were the first ladies that they showed off in that game. I'm yeah. I did not fight or uh, seduce any mermaids. Mermaids are also the presidential first ladies of the sea. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. That's a good. That's Anytime, a good, you guys. Would you like to give us a book report on Bloodborne, Brian? Yes. So let's talk about Bloodborne. <laughs> Who here has played Bloodborne? I played Bloodborne. I played a little bit. Bloodborne. You played a little bit. I played, you, I played for like five minutes. So I went through a very interesting experience with this game. I obviously was sort of scared to get into it because I haven't played any Souls games before, and people just kept telling me how punishing it is and how difficult it was, and I was just like, you know what? I don't really have that capacity in my life for a game like that. But I gave it a shot anyway. And I sat down and I went to play the first few hours. And what I what I saw immediately was that this is 
on just an incredible world, just unbelievably realized world and that it was brutally difficult. But I did find myself like inching through the world to get better and better little by little until I got to as somebody in the podcast beyond Facebook group, uh, called it the first street with 20 dudes <laughs> um, and you get to this area in the first town where uh, you've already defeated your first few enemies you're not very good you don't really know what's going on it's, everything's very disorienting you really have no idea what's happening it's like being a newborn baby and then all of a sudden there's 20 people on the street and they're trying to kill you so you try a hundred different ways of getting through them and if you're good you get through them on the first or fifth time and if you're not and you're me, it takes you 35 times to get up and down this block, kill everybody and figure things out. So from there, I found myself at the Cleric Beast, who is the first boss mm -hmm. in the game. He's sort of an optional boss. He's the guy that you see in a lot of the promotional stuff. He's the sort of this giant hairy white wolf with one arm bigger than the other. And he, he you fight him on this broken, narrow street with these like crates overturned and carriages and dead horses everywhere and he just smacks you against vases in the walls and he kills you and screams at you and you die and there's a 42 second loading screen that says the word bloodborne and you stare <laughs> at it and then you go alright I'll do it again so you run back down the street you unlock a shortcut now you find a faster way to get to the cleric beast and you get all the way to his front door again you walk down he howls at you and he beats you in even quicker time and you go I don't know what I'm doing then if you're me you, twi you try 25 more times and you pick up the controller and you put it back down and you go you know what I love this game. I love what it's doing. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. This is not for me. I know that in this time, I could go play Axiom Verge. I could go play Hotline Miami. I could play something else that's sort of like immediately, instantly gratifying. So I went on the Podcast Beyond Facebook group, and I don't really do this where – I, I like to say, like, when I'm experiencing a game, I don't like to just, like, jump on Twitter and be like, this thing sucks, or, like, this show's bad, or this movie's terrible. Like, I like to actually consume it, think about it, and let that go for a little bit, you know, and just kind of digest it a little bit, marinate. In this particular instance, I said, you know what? I've done everything I can do in this game. I'm never going to be the type of person that can really go back in and keep playing this and defeat this guy. So I'm going to go on the Beyond group and say, hey, you know, I, I, I should check in with you guys more often. There's 8,000 people in here. This is my experience with this game. It's amazing. I love the world. I love the combat. I love the character design. I love the bosses and art direction. Everything about it is, is fantastic, but it's not for me. And it's kicking my butt up and down, and I can't do it. And, you know, I, there was obviously a, a lot of responses to that. And some people said, totally with you. I've tried the same thing. I'm a father. I'm a mother. I have kids. I have a wife. I just don't have time for this. I have an hour to play this game. Other people said, you know, this is not the kind of game you can play in 10 or 20-minute chunks. You really have to sit down for two or three hours at a time. And some other people said, you know, get back out there. Like, what are you doing? Like, stop posting in Facebook. <laughs> get back in there. Go die some more and then talk to it's us like, about man, it. Like, dating is hard, guys. Yeah, it's and, and it's, that's totally it. And people are just kind of like, you know, no, I think all women are bad. It's like, well, no, they're not. The one you dated was terrible, but maybe the next one will be fine. So I sat there for a few hours and I was like, you know what? <laughs> this. You can write that down. <laughs> there might be a few of these. I said, this, I'm going to go back and play Bloodborne. And I went back in and I started grinding. And the thing is that no one really tells you about this game is it's, it's very much like an NES game where you have to go to school and talk to your friends about it. You know, like you have to go on the internet and go on message boards yeah. and people give you hints. And it's not, it's not everything's laid out in front of you. And, you know, Dan Stapleton, who's our reviews editor, he has some problems with the lack of sort of clarity and obviousness in, in the game design. And I agree that, that first, the first two hours of that game are, dis, are designed specifically to make you not want to play the rest of it. They weed people out. And that's why I'm going to make a claim right now. 
Bloodborne is the Legends of the Hidden Temple of video games. <laughs> what? And here's why. Legends of the Hidden Temple starts out with like 40 teams, right? Like 30 of them fall in the moat, <laughs> and you never see them again. Yeah. And they don't get to go to they don't get to interview Olmec. They don't get to go meet the temple guards in the cool maze. They don't win a pair of cat shoes or a trip to Universal Orlando, Florida, or whatever the anything like that. Nothing. All the weak people get weeded out at the very beginning. And I was almost in the moat. You were almost the, the blue barracuda. I was almost the blue bear or the silver monkeys. And I decided, you know what? The hell with this. I'm going to go back out there. I went back out there and I beat up that, that street of 20 dudes for three hours until I was level 15. And then I was level 20. And then I was level 24. And I went back to the cleric bees and I whipped his ass all over that street with the dead horse and the overturned carriage. And then from there, I went downstairs and I beat the out of all of his friends. And then from there, I went to the next boss and I whooped his ass on the first time. And now I'm level 55 and I'm a warrior and i'm running around that game like it's mine and it's amazing and it's the best it's one of the best feelings i've had playing a video game in a long time because there's a reward to it there's a risk and reward to it and it gives me moments of feeling like when you're carrying blood vials around and you're killing things and you have so much on you and you go i can go back right now and cash these in and level up or yeah or yeah, you I can turn like the gambling corner. Addict. Yeah, yeah, a gambling addict. And it reminds me of driving around in GTA Chinatown Wars on PSP with $50,000 of heroin in your trunk. And you go, I can go see the Rosses and get $25,000 worth of weed, or I can go back to the spot right now and cash in. F*** it, I'm going to go see the Rosses. <laughs> so you go see the Rosses, and then the cops pull you over, and now you lose $75,000, and you could have had fifty, but you almost had seventy-five. So when you have seventy-five, why not a hundred? So that's how I've been playing, and it's that risk and reward, and it's amazing. It's such a good feeling, yeah. and it's now turning into one of my favorite games of all time, and absolutely my 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 favorite game this year. Yeah. And I wow. almost I almost yeah. quit playing my my favorite game this year, and I stuck with it, and now I can't stop thinking about so it. So I am at that exact same phase right now. I am. On the ver, I'm like having that like. Bad- Sorry for all the curses. <laughs> I'm having that like bad relationship. I'm like, guys, I think I have to dump red. I don't think I can do it. Mm-hmm. I just don't think this is for me. And then I go play. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. That's yeah. I'm here. And so, then I leave, and I'm like, all I'm thinking about is that bloodborne. So yeah. I think mm-hmm. that that first hurdle is absolutely designed to get everybody out. And there are probably a hundred or two hundred smaller hurdles like that later on in the game. And they just keep coming. They keep coming. I got to one part, right, and I won't spoil too much, but I was killed in a forest. And then instead of just seeing the you are dead screen, like always, I woke up in a terrifying nightmare prison. (laughs) And then I got out of the nightmare prison, and I'm like, (sighs) and I breathe a sigh of relief, and a wolf the size of a house jumped out of the sky and killed me. (laughs) But it's those moments. It's those amazing moments of like, surprise and satisfaction yeah it makes all of that garbage worth it yeah when you die over and over and you lose all these souls and you don't get to level up and you don't get to buy the fun new hat you get that like prey slaughter sign yeah you you put the controller down and you just like scream in your living room at the top of your lungs yeah well here's get it out of your system well and there's like two different forms of joy there There there's the i fought a boss 10 times and finally beat him or Mm -hmm. i fought a boss on the first time and i beat him oh my god yeah which feels so good which i did i did with Two bosses in a row now because I just leveled up onto Which the ones? point where I'm amazing. Uh, I that woman that turns into an elk, <laughs> Vicar Amelia. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and and who was it? Blood the uh, Beast. And blo- yeah, that yeah. guy. Okay, I mean, yeah. that guy was all talk. Yeah. yeah. Whooped his ass all up and down his little castle. So um, the one, the one, what I really do like <laughs> about that, elk. the sort of like hook and response that it does, is that when you do die and you have all your stuff on you, it gets either dropped in the world or it gets sucked into an enemy's eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have fifty thousand blood vials or whatever, you could just shut the game off and be like good night, or you could be like, my money's still out there. Yeah. 
I'm going to go get my money. Yeah. And you go back out I'm there in the woods and you run past 50 dudes that are all trying to kill you because everything in this game is just like, <laughs> ah! Everywhere you go, it's terrifying. So you go back out there and you kill the guy that stole your money and you're like, yes! And then you run back to your spot and cash in. And it's such a good feeling. Like, it's... I I I like I don't really get into a lot of horror games because I feel like a, a lot of horror games aren't scary. Mm -hmm. They really aren't. They try to be. They're all jump scares. It's all like it's the same. Yeah, that that legitimately changed things for me. But I thought like games like Outlast, it was like, oh, the the this grape ape is chasing you down the hallway. <laughs> grape ape. <laughs> and there's a is that a flavor is that a flavor of Count Chocula I've ever had? It's just, it's just like a big cartoon gorilla guy that's trying to kill you, and you're like, I don't care. Like, you're in the mental institution, isn't that spooky? Remember those? I'm like, no, I have no point of reference for that. But like, I've been in the woods, or I've been in like, I've I've been walking down the street by myself at night and hearing like noises, and you're like, are these? You've my seen a lady turn into an elk. Exactly. Like Cathedral I've been in Gothic cathedrals. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and that's that's where it like it's not that one single thing is scary about Bloodborne. Is that the entire world is atmospherically terrifying. It's just something designed to mess with you. So I like I I totally had no idea you were going that direction because I really? saw your post in the group and I was like, huh, interesting. Like that's I mean that's I that's kind of where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. I haven't played that much of it. I sat in a, on a two hour live stream and. Um, I uh, watched uh, Brendan play it, and mm -hmm. he, you know, he's our, like, wiki guide guy. So he oh, yeah, he's, he's, doing. he's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I played for a second in there. You know, he, like, he gave me the controller, and I, like, I killed, like, a giant. And I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. And I was, like, a leveled up character already, so probably didn't count that much. But, like, still dodging it and learning how to kind of control the basic <laughs> game. Um I don't know, and then the, I think the loading times really are kind of a, a bummer. You know? Yeah, so they're supposed no, they to are. patch those. They, they are. Right? No, no, they, uh, they are in theory being patched. Yeah. So okay. We played this weekend, I swear to God, they're faster. Maybe I'm just like totally. No, you're addicted. Yeah. 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 Also, the also, mescaline you and your girlfriend took. <laughs> Mitch, the I mean, you know, I hate to keep just beating this dead this street full of dead horses here, but you played you played Dota. Yeah. Which is absolutely a game that you, you you it's all about just repeating stuff yeah, and yeah. like going through the same thing again and yep. just kind of grinding away. Yep, so yep. Um, so what, what really what what I loved and I was I just this will be my last anecdote about this. I, I mean I'm going to keep playing this game obviously, but when you first start out that street of twenty dudes to the right, there's this guy and he's like the size of a, a truck and he's got this axe that's mm -hmm. the size of a bigger truck and you go oh I'm gonna fight him and he he basically one shot kills you like it's nothing and later on the, in the game you're fighting like three or four of them that's at a exactly time where yeah. I'm and, the wall right yeah and it's spot. but like once you once you understand the technique you can go back to that guy in that first town where he just lives in this alley yeah. and you just beat the hell out of him I in so seconds I'm not scared of those 20 guys now like I I'm having trouble now in the area where I'm at with like four crazy women with sickles yep. than I am with that street of twenty guys. And it reminds me right. of it reminds me of like it's overcoming any sort of adversity or addiction or any problem you've ever had in your life where you're just like, that seems like the most impossible thing in the world right now. But if I come back to the same exact scenario a year later, like yeah. I won't even think about it. Like when I quit smoking, right? Which yeah. like it'll be three years for me next month. I I couldn't go to a bar, I couldn't stand out of a bar without having to smell it and think about how I wanted it. And it was impossible. I couldn't deal with it. I was like scratchy and, and I was like fuck I really need this and now that wasn't a whole curse that was, I know I'm, I don't think I'm gonna write down um, <laughs> and now I'm just like I don't I don't care and that's how I feel playing Bloodmore and it's like that sort of rush of just being mm -hmm. like I'm improving I'm feeling myself getting better so I'm so glad I stuck with it if you are on the fence about this game or you started it and you fell into the moat with the blue barracudas and the silver monkeys get back out there be a purple parrot be okay. a get you to be right, an orange orangutan so this actually this is a great this is a great segue here uh, we have an email yeah um, says, hey guys, Beyond, yep. I have a short question today. 
Why do you dudes play video games? I am one of those gamers that doesn't play a game to kill time, but more so games are a deep passion of mine. I've been a gamer since I was a little boy, just as you guys probably have. To me, it's better than watching a movie or reading a book. Games have it all. Great stories, well-written pieces of music, and amazing animation and graphics, a collaboration of arts. Games are a wonderful experience. So again, why do you game? Please give a better answer than, because it's fun. That's a given. Sometimes it isn't fun. Your brother in gaming, Brandon Gurney from Columbus, Ohio. That's great, man. Does anybody here play games as an escape? Yes. Yeah. 100%. Really? Yeah. Do you not? No, not at all. Oh. I de- so oh, you play Dota, yeah. That's I, I, I but that's for me. Like that's a social experience. Yeah, I play a game every day with four of my friends, or more, mm-hmm. every single day. Yeah, and yeah. I get that. Like, like we cooperate and we have like that competitive nature, but we're also socializing. All the time. We're just BSing about our day while we're playing this. Thing. I, don't, I don't specifically play games as an escape, but when they end up being that, I'm not mad at them for it. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't go like, I'm going to go, but like, you know. It's always an accident. When yeah. When, when it starts happening and I'm really immersed, I'm like, man, this is a great feeling. But it's never yeah. like, I hate this world. I'm going to go hide in yeah. Liberty City, you yeah. know? Like, that's, really? I've never thought about it like, like that. I've never, like, whenever I played, like, Gears multiplayer a lot, it was always just because it's like, oh, I just like these maps. And I think it's a really strong competitive game, but... When I played Persona 4 Golden, I was playing that. A actually, lot that's and realizing, oh, I'm escaping something in my real life that I don't want to. Yeah. Think about oh, yeah. Right that's now. that's so, actually that's 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 exactly what happened to me when I got I got I got an, out of a bad relationship like three and a half years yeah. ago, four years ago, and I got dumped and I hated where I was and I started playing Saints Row 3 because it was this open world game where I was a powerful god basically. Yeah. <laughs> you could do anything you want in that game and crush cars and jump up buildings and yeah. in reality I was like a, an ant. But in this game, I was a superhero, and that's probably the only time I've ever used escapism, really. Yeah. You guys so I don't. No, I, I, I. So I think that it's um, to say it like an escape. It's I would say more like it's a it's a going someplace else. You know, yeah. it's a vacation. I like yeah. that a lot. I mean, you can you escapism can be like like you're fleeing real life, like you're fl- fleeing a war torn country, and you're yeah. you know like trying to go someplace you're better. Oh, yeah, right. Like that's that's worrisome. Uh, there have been times in my life when it's been like that for me. But it's like um, soccer punch. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but I mean, it's also it's also just going someplace that's not real. Yeah. Um, it's like a like I've said this. I said this before at some point that games are games are a cross between toys and dreams. Mm-hmm. And I totally like I I love um, I love old side scrollers. I used to always love like uh, like Super Metroid. Uh, and the basis that it felt like it felt like toys. It felt like a playset. You know, it felt like exploring like a like a little micro machine set. You know, yeah. like it's making making a little person run around, and there's little things in there. And uh, you know, some people. I was never I was never pretty never been good at games. You know, I'm not I'm not great at games. And I think it's weird that there's this there's this stigma about that. There's like I feel guilty about it, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't like feeling guilty about it. You know, and I'm liking that there are new games that are coming out that are like that let you explore a world without punishing you relentlessly. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking about it the other day. Skyrim's a really easy game. Like you can turn it up to really hard and you know play it with a challenge and some people are into that and that's awesome, but I think it's also fantastic that it let it turns you loose in this world. Saints Row, also yeah. a pretty easy game, you yeah, know? Very easy. You just have fun, you know, and it's like I think super that, easy to level up and dominate yeah. in that world, yeah. And there's people who like who get like weirdly aggressively like against this kind of accessibility, you know, and I can understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, there still are games like Bloodborne that are coming out and Hotline Miami mm-hmm. and games that really are punishing and are brutal, but I've never played for the sake of, like, any... I never, I've never gotten hooked on that achievement. I've never gotten hooked on, like, the challenge, really. It's always been more about going to this other place mm-hmm. and seeing these other things, and it's, like, the sense of just... 
I guess ex- exploring a virtual space. I've always yeah. loved that the yeah. most. Yeah, we're on the same page, right? Like, I think it's it's to be like emotionally challenged, to be intellectually mm-hmm. challenged, to be physically challenged, like to have to be able to like mentally or physically overcome something in a world is really interesting. Whether it's like Tetris or something <coughs> super narrative based, like even a game where there's no fail state, mm-hmm. like Gone Home, you can play that and be challenged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love well, there's a there's a reward to it, right? Like I always had, I did my my parents had a tough time with video games when I was growing up. They bought me them and they encouraged me to you know do what I wanted to do, but they would have rather seen me reading books and stuff like that. And I read a lot of books too, but I had to explain to them that like the feeling you get when you finish a book, like reading a story, is the same feeling I get when I finish a game. Where I could get out of I could get out of school, I could get out of work at the sweatshop <laughs> where I made these shoes. I would get out of school and go home and I. Would beat like Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers or DuckTales because it took an hour to do. Yeah. And the feeling of accomplishment I had was amazing because it was like I, from start to finish, I defeated this game. Like I made it, I made it mine. I made it my story. I made my path through it differently. Like that's the thing I like that the, the games have a beginning and they have an end, but the middle is sort of whatever you make of it, you know, like you can play things differently. Mm. You have different play styles. You can run through quickly. You can be slow and meticulous. You can collect everything. You can ignore everything, you know, like there's, it's such an amazing medium. And that's, that's, that's why I think that I've always been so drawn to it. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's no single reason why I play games. Like I totally echo what you're saying about being able to like explore the world, which is like, I, I assume I do dream, but I never remember my mm. dreams. And so being able to play something like Proteus or Hohokam and be like, yeah. man, this is insane. Like, this is something pulled right from someone's imagination. Yeah. Uh, I play games to, like, be nostalgic in a time travel. Like, stuff like if I play Mario World or if I play Final mm-hmm. Fantasy VII, like, it takes me back to the 90s when I was playing these games originally. Yep. And I start thinking about where I was living at the time and what I was doing, you know, who my friends were at the time and who I had a crush on at the time. And, like, all of that sort of comes flooding back. Uh, there's games, I, I've totally played games as therapy. Like, Braid yep. and Catherine were two games that came out right, like, when I had a breakup. Yep. And I associate those games, like, that's with... That's a one-two punch. Yeah, for, yeah, I know, right? Like, seriously. <laughs> that's, so, that's so strange that you bring up the nostalgia thing, because the other game I was switching off with this weekend was Super Mario 64, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> which came out when I was, like, it was 1996, Six, I guess? Yeah. And I was a junior, or I was a sophomore in high school, which is about the most uncertain time in a human being's life and I was like I didn't know who to eat lunch with and who I was friends with and stuff like that but in this game you could run around and, and jump on <laughs> you could fly yeah totally like, which I still don't even know I don't understand how they made that game with no point of reference for any 3D yeah. games before it really but yeah it's so weird how and then going back and revisiting something like that when you're not in that time anymore mm-hmm. sometimes it's really difficult to do that and sometimes it's, it sort of becomes like oh man I, what was I worried about back then this game's awesome I'm having, I'm having a different level of fun with it that's yeah. crazy yeah. Another thing I think is, uh, as you get older, the way your the way your brain kind of fantasizes, or the way your the way your brain works out imaginary scenarios is entirely different. And I remember when I was a kid, like I would I would play with action figures, like I would literally just play with them and make up scenarios, and I'd have like Boba Fett fighting my beast X Men, and yeah. Bit, yeah, I'd be like, I don't that have any cool, canon. I don't have any cool <laughs> Star Wars, I don't have any you know any actual Star Wars aliens for him to fight, so yep. he's gonna fight Beast, close enough, you know, whatever. And I'm on my living room floor, and I have to make up why my coffee table is what it is. What is it? It's a it's a plateau or something, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and then I run out, run around the woods. I live in the country, and I would like make fake guns out of out of like wood and stuff and just go creeping around and it's like when you're a kid you can you can run around your neighborhood with toy guns and you can get away with that and you do that as an well, adult back, and they back will, then you could 
Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, way out in the woods, you know, way out yeah. in the yeah. But I, I, I had like a old ski pole that I would chase wild turkeys with, you know, like <laughs> I could do that, and I'd be like, these are demons, I have to chase them, yeah. you know. My friend, I would walk around my neighborhood, we're like, we're in Warcraft, I'm a Oglin Doom, that's the name of a orc I made up, you know, like mm-hmm. we just would, we, you could, you could have an imagination, you know. And now there's like, there's so many more. Uh, like I have, a, I have an, I think I have an adult sprain, you know, and I start recognizing, <laughs> like that suspension of disbelief is harder to achieve. Yeah. You know, you build up a tolerance to reality, and you're like, you you understand more things, and therefore there are more questions whenever yeah. you're presented with something. And video games, uh, they present you with, uh, they they present you with a world that's thought out for you, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what I love about something like Skyrim or The Witcher or you know, um, like Mass Effect or whatever. And these are games that someone else has has kind of prepared this world for you and they're like you still have to figure out the problems in it but the world is built for you and the world is there for you and i think that that's that's really thrilling and that's incredibly exciting uh it's funny though um uh, brandon i think it's brandon in the in the email brandon, said yeah. um uh that he likes games better than better than books or better than movies i i don't necessarily like them better yeah uh, i, I like find that Differently, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, the kind of I, I thought about this in the in the kind of books that I like are the ones where the whole world is fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my favorite author is William Gibson, who you know kind of created cyberpunk for the most part, uh, and his books are so much more about environments. Like they're about every he'll he'll list off everything in a room. He'll describe the tiniest weirdest little details, and it's all like kind of physical details. So it really just you you start creating this world around you as you're reading it. And I have like a very visual imagination, and it's very much about like a sense of place so that works for me and I've always loved movies like Star Wars and Blade Runner where it's less about you know you don't just have this talking head in the forefront like there are incredible amounts of detail in the background yep. mm-hmm. little tiny like gizmos and like I like Boba Fett because there's so much stuff on him and you're like what is that that's Wookiee scalps why does he have Wookiee scalps because he killed them <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't yeah. know yeah and it's I love games where you have so much stuff like that going on that's um I've never gotten into Borderlands because Borderlands doesn't really scratch that itch for me. It's too much about, like, you pick up all these different guns, but the guns are kind of, like, randomly generated, you know, and they'll sort of have information around them, but there's no, like, they're, like, if just if just Nerf guns were randomly assembled, you know, and there's, mm-hmm. there's, they're kind of, they're kind of endless, you yeah. know, so. Yeah, game, I mean, they also, like, all four of us do creative stuff outside of IGN, and yeah. there's those, every once in a while you'll play a game, I mean, whether it's, like, something like The Last of Us, which has just, just amazing character building, mm-hmm. world building, or something like Tearaway that, like, takes the idea of mechanics and of a video game and just crushes the fourth wall, and, and I play stuff like that, and I'm like, man, this is really, like, going, going on to inspire my creative writing. Outside yeah. of this, just the way, like it, it's absolutely inspirational. To see yeah. Stuff like that. Uh, so speaking of Boba Fett, um, <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that was yeah, awesome. That was, that was amazing email. Great too. question. Yeah, yeah. Really, wow. really good question. He wrote three. He wrote us three emails, and so one of them, one of them passed the test. I guess that, that one won. Um, uh, they can do. It's just beyond, beyond at IGN.com. IGN.com. Beyond yeah. at IGN.com. Excuse me just one moment while we take a brief word from our sponsor. Whether you guys are trying to create a blog, website, or an online store, Squarespace is the easiest solution. With an easy-to-use interface, gorgeous templates, and handy 24-7 customer service from actual human beings, Squarespace is the smartest and simplest way to stake your claim to your own little corner of the internet. Are you trying to break into the games industry? Because Squarespace can be used to make a great-looking portfolio, whether you're an aspiring developer or member of the media. Head over to squarespace.com for a free trial today and use the offer code IGN at checkout to get 10% off your order. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Um, Star Wars Battlefront playtests. Uh, what do we want from this game that we have not actually seen in action? Mitch, this is you. Uh... Yeah, Star Wars Battlefront's getting revealed in two weeks of Star Wars Celebration. I will be there. I'll be there. 
I'll yeah. be there too. Oh God, you guys so, hey guys, I'm the brave hey Star Wars. I'm not gonna be there. Ewoks. <laughs> Do you like the Star War? I love the Star War. What's your Wait, favorite Star War? Uh, the the Phantom Menace. <laughs> no one knows which Get one out. that is because it's a phantom. Disappeared. Did it. you know that the police did the theme song of the droids cartoon? Is what? That right? that did I make that up? Like a real fact. I've never heard that before. I don't I know feel if like I made I that up. Hear that. that could be a real fact or I made it up. I think you. I feel like I didn't make it up. Anyway, sorry. Right, we can look that up later. Yeah. Okay. So it's getting revealed. Uh, we're going to get a trailer. Uh, I have no <laughs> idea what, what we're going to see. But EA is currently recruiting people to do playtests in Vancouver and Redwood Shores. Uh, pretty sure these registrations are closed. Sorry, you can't go if you didn't already register. But people are going to be playing this game. And I want to know from you guys, like, this is a game that, I don't know about you, this series is, like, super near and dear to my heart. I'm really excited that EA, you know, decided that DICE was going to do, right? EA and DICE decided, you know what, we're not going to try to do a Battlefield game. We're just going to do Battlefront. Right. You know what really was kind of infuriating was that there was an, I remember the announcement of this, that, that DICE was going to be working on it. Like, that is the most obvious thing. I don't yeah. know how, like, I don't know how weirdly too close to something you have to be to completely miss the point of yeah. that. But they were like, they didn't ask DICE or something. And, like, DICE was like, hey, you know, if you feel, if you feel like it, we if can. You have and, a game, we and they were like, they were like, really? Do you guys like Star Wars? It's like, everyone likes Star Wars. <laughs> you got what? Uh, yes, of course they should yeah. do it, you know? Yeah. That's the kind of job, like, in game development, when someone says, hey, you're going to spend the next two years of your life on, you know, a match-three puzzle game or Star Wars. Wars. Like, that's that's the one you want, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Also, know. if you're spending three years on a match-three puzzle game. That better be a not, damn good. You're not doing well. Uh, in Trouble Again, the opening theme song to Star Wars Droids uh, was written by Stuart Copeland of The Police. Wow. And performed by Yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't Sting. It wasn't Sting. It doesn't count. So, this not game... Canon. This game is not only important because it comes from a, a, a very powerful legacy, but also because it's filling the hole that 1313's cancellation left. Like, yeah. we need that, we really need that next good, no, we need that next great Star Wars game to happen. Um, and we with, haven't had one in a long We haven't had one in a very long, long time, you know? Like, there's been, I'm trying to think of what the last great Star Wars game was. Republic Knights Commando. of the Republic. Yeah, I guess Knights so. The, yeah. Was that after? Republic and that, Commando was uh, Tiny Death Star. Tiny Death Star. Yeah, Tiny Death sure. Star was good. Sure, I'll give you that. That was a good game. I'll funny. give you that. Um, so it's important. I mean, wa- watching that whole the thirteen thirteen story happen, and then the cancellation happen, and then the sort of what it could have been happen, mm-hmm. crushed me. That like, was that rough. was that was yeah. to just be like, hey, here's Uncharted and here's Star Wars. I'm like, great, two of my favorite things in the world. They're coming together at last. Oh, awesome. Who's making it? Really talented people. Cool. When are we gonna play it? Never. It's canceled and it's gone. <laughs> Damn it. No. <laughs> yep. So um, to see something in the meantime, like an amazing Star Wars game potentially happen, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I really, I really hope that like I hope that they have uh, a campaign in there. You yeah, know, yeah, like we were just yeah. talking. Me too. Battlefront. Yeah, that's, that's why I yeah. I've assembled this group today. That's why I've all brought you brought you all here. I want to know. I have like this massive serial killer wall of like things that I want from this Jesus. game. I've made you a small list. Today. Oh boy. I have solicited some uh, feedback from Twitter about what Twitter wants. Yeah. And uh, I want to know what you guys want. I'll hang on to my list, Max. Why don't you tell me? That looks like a third grader's notebook. Yeah, I got a little doodle of a Ninja Turtle hand on here, a little little helmet, robot man. Whatever. Stuff I want in Star Wars by Mitch Dyer, <laughs> age nine. <laughs> you drew like a hand that uh, is he doing the Force? Is that I don't what know that is? What he's doing? I just drew a thing around. Okay, it looks it's like a, yeah. Kind of a Ninja Turtle with lasers around his hand. Whatever. Okay. Anyway, you want a campaign? I want a campaign. I'm totally with you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care if it's if it's kind of if it's kind of dumb and silly. I just yep. want something that is because like I grew up on Dark Forces, you know, Jedi Knight stuff yeah. like that. I I like the again 
the multiplayer stuff is great, but it takes me a little bit out of it when I'm like in there and then, you know, like so it's like El, El Loco Raptor 420 is like in there and I'm like, <laughs> you know, or I like hop in there and I'm like, somebody's actually doing like Darth Vader breathing in the mic, but they're not meaning to. Yeah. And then you hear like their sister come in and they're like, I did it! And it's like, I did it! Mom! You know, and you're like, damn it. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Got some right here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so in the New Dawn, the Star Wars Rebels book that just came out, on the inside flap of that, there was a list of, like, every novel, and then it's like, Star Wars Rebels is here in the canon. It's a timeline of the canon. In the middle of that, after New Hope, is Star Wars Battlefront. Really? Oh, interesting. So wow. it is canonically, instantly after New Hope. This is interesting. When is... canonically most recent... Uh, Thing after New, New Dawn. Dawn comes after Jedi, right? New Dawn is old. It's Star Wars Rebels. It's like pre- oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, so what's really interesting is I'm, I've been reading the Star Wars comics that are out right now. I'm they're so, all so good. They're really good. If you guys aren't watching them or reading them, I don't want to. I don't read. I don't want to read prequel stuff. But that's the thing is that they're really they're doing. Don't be dumb. They're growing out from A New Hope. Like I'm. Kind of, I think this is pretty conscious on on Disney's part. Like yep. all of the star, the new Marvel Star Wars comics that are set, you know, at, it, at the classic trilogy. Uh, period are set immediately after New Hope. Like they're just right out the gate. They're like, here's what Princess Leia is doing. Here's what Darth Vader's doing. Yep. Here's what Han and Luke are doing. And is Kanan just around Rebels? Period. Kanan is the Jedi in Rebels. Okay. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. But it's, it's like his backstory, which they don't explore. Okay. Right? So it is Clone Wars. But they're era, but. that's right before A New Hope. Like they're kind of basically just growing out again. And it's really that's that's interesting because we know like we know the prequels are there. We I feel like that's probably still sort of a sore subject for a lot of people. So they're kind of just and they're, they're kind of trying to build up towards what's going to happen. In the new movie, yeah, uh, interesting to think that they would have a setting for Battlefront. That would seem to imply that there is a campaign. So that's yeah, like I would love that, especially if it is like a some kind of like if they have a short story. Like I don't care if that campaign's an hour and a half long. It's just like hey, this is like what happened on Yavin after like whatever after the Death Star blew up. Well, yeah, or like a yeah bridge yeah Yavin to Hoth. That'd be a really good. What what does the rebellion do in that time period? That'd be really cool. I really hope there is a campaign, and I I hope it's longer than an hour and a half. I think a lot of people are looking for Mm -hmm. a a good story with with whatever the next Star Wars game is. Yeah, Yeah. but yeah, I do. I do want a mix of that. I want foot stuff. I want flying stuff. I want that. There would be a good balance of that. Like we had the last game that really. I mean, think about like what was it, Rogue Squadron? Mm That oh, man, was that the one where you could like when the those games were great, but the more you started getting out of the ship and running around, the more all of the systems started falling apart. Yeah, like all the on foot stuff in those games didn't work. Right, yeah. like it was cool to be able to as Luke yeah, hop out of speeder one. and like, yeah. jump up into an ATAT, yeah. cut it open, blow it up, and get right. in. Right, totally. Like why not just shoot it down? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, like I'm imagining the battles in this game. I don't know. This is probably not going to happen, but having the the Battle of Endor. The entire thing, all four sides of it going on at the exact same time. So you have the troops on the ground, you can hop into a ship, you can literally fly up to the Death Star and engage in the battle there. Or you, all can, the you can be an Ewok. Match. It'll be, Ewok I, want, I want Ewoks. I want Ewoks in there. I know they're stupid, but if they manage to make them cool and like like they're really fast and or something. Traps yeah. and stuff. Yeah. No, I think that's be, awesome. I don't, I, great. You yeah. can climb trees and no one else can or something. I have... Sorry, no, I was going to say, I've always loved Ewoks because I love Return of the Jedi. Me too. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. The, um, to, to your point about going, like... Do you remember Dust 514? Yeah. Yep. The whole Eve Online and Dust 514 hookup. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Which was one of the coolest ideas that kind of didn't really... I don't I don't know if that panned out or not because it's Eve and no one knows what's panning out there because yeah. they're just they're just fine. They're, mm-hmm. they're good. They're up in Iceland with their 
boiled whale and having a good party. <laughs> um, anyway, they, they had this thing where the Dust Five Fourteen was on was on PS3, and you could play it. It was a you know third person shooter on the ground. You could shoot guys and run around in jets and stuff. But all the planets in that game were reflected in the PC version of Eve Online, and the naval battles that were taking place intergalactically of people shooting each other's ships and stuff and the goon swarm coming in and messing everything up were reflected in Dust 514, even though it was a different platform. So people on the ground could call in like like aerial strikes, not aerial strikes, orbital. orbital strikes. Thank you for like knowing the term for you. a thing that doesn't exist in real yeah, life yet. No um, <laughs> but yeah, you could call in an orbital strike and then it would actually send that request to somebody playing EVE online. And like that kind of concept is yeah. nuts. I love the idea of like the ground troops have to infiltrate you know, they have to get that shield down yeah. before the people in the sky can get to the Death Star yeah. with the shield still up. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I've been, everyone, like, every tweet I got was, yo, ground to space battles, ground to space battles. Like, let me hop on an X-Wing and take off in this. It'd be kind of boring, though. I agree, because it's, it would fracture the fight, but if there's an objective like that, that's yes. really interesting. Yeah. At I the mean, same time, I the way I'm imagining it is I would imagine there would be a, like, a Battlefield Bad Company 2 rush-style separation where... As the rebels, you go in, you infiltrate this base, you blow up the thing, you did it. Now you move on to the next base, yeah. which is you all get in your X wings and you go out into space, and then you do it in the same. Mission. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like the phase as the Empire, you are succeeding as long as you're on the ground. That was kind of what I was alluding to. I don't, like I don't think I want like constantly jumping in, jumping out, but yeah. yeah, having having a setup like that would be really smart. I, God, I mean that's something that I feel like Helldivers sort of like they they didn't really they didn't really do that you know but the fact you could see everyone's everyone's dropship yep. and the fact you could call in people from other games, um, I'd like to see this is kind of a long shot I'd like to see some actual character creation and this is obviously kind of a balancing nightmare but like the Rebel Alliance is kind of they're kind of a ragtag bunch you know you've got some uniforms and yeah. stuff but it's also I don't know it'd be interesting to see some we've all, like obviously the show Rebels like they're kind of they're they're kind of rough around the edges, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd like the idea of being able to create your own person, like your own role. And if you want to, if you want to have more kind of a rank and file type of thing, maybe you could be an imperial, you know. But like maybe you could be a bounty hunter, and you could yeah. you can kind of mix and match your armor. You yeah. could pick your different. Your I would love that. Stats yeah, I would. I would absolutely like that. Would appeal to me, and I would be a lot closer to my character. Than I mean, that's, I was just random, that's random rebel like gunner. What Destiny that's did. Yeah. Like, totally. That's always been the point of Battlefront that I always thought was really interesting is. You are not the hero. You are not the guy that goes and saves the day. You are an expendable soldier. Mm-hmm. You are just some random stormtrooper who's going into battle and is going to get shot randomly by an X-wing. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Well, that's also a kind of funny thing is because like the the amount of rebels you see in the in the Star Wars trilogy, like you've got, uh, you know, you've got a handful of guys and. On the on the the Tantive Four in the beginning, and the and then it, the rest of it is is following like a really small group of people, yeah. and then in Empire you see, uh, you kind of get a, a bigger sense of that. But the, by the time they have like, by the time they, they get to Return of the Jedi and they've got like a proper thing going, they got some they got like a weird group of people. They got fish guys. They got Lando who's <laughs> like, ah, just sorry about that time. I you know screwed you guys over. Just business is business, you know. Have and you he's seen Star Wars Rebels. No, I haven't watched it. You should. Should I watch it? Yes. Okay. Because it is like such a great character drama. It's really fun. The characters are great. It's beautiful, all that stuff. But like this show is the birth of the rebellion. I like that. And there are really, really interesting twists toward the end of the show that mm-hmm. show like, oh, this existed. Mm-hmm. Like this was here before these people knew. You know what would be a yep. really cool thing for Battlefront to do would be to bridge the gap between like Clone Wars and original trilogy by having like weird surplus stuff. Like so in uh in the Star Wars comic that's out right now, I think it might be, it's either Star Wars or Darth Vader. It might be Darth Vader. Uh, Vader goes after some pirates. And the pirates have a bunch of repurposed destroyer droids that have like grenade launchers and crap on them. 
and it's kind of great because they're like, here's this weird, like it's like it's like fighting a bunch of Claymore mines where you're like, here are things that are left over from a war that's been over for 20 years, but they're still really dangerous. You know, mm-hmm. like it's like, I like the idea of, of this kind of this weird repurposing of, of yeah. army surplus or like people who've been, like the Trade Federation falls apart, but somebody, but like you know. Their technology is still there. Yeah. yeah. And people are making use of it. I mean, like you get, like, you know, Somalian pirates in real life are using leftover AK-47s from whenever the hell that was a thing. That's a gun that was introduced in 1947 that's still used pretty readily. That's like a really interesting way narratively to kind of mash the worlds together to have like, okay, the Imperials want this old technology. So they're going to go into this like old beaten down fortress, but the battle droids are there. Like the Trade Federation is there. Like remnants of them exist and they're going to defend, but then you kill them all and you get yeah. the technology. Well, the people who'd be using it would be the rebels. They'd be the ones repurposing that, exactly. yeah. I don't like know, I just... Empire wants to destroy it. Whatever, like, there Empire's are got some... you could have rebels and Imperials fighting against battle droids. Yeah, I think it's just... I I like the idea of... of I'm always kind of... There's always been that divide just aesthetically between uh, between periods of, of between the years of Star Wars, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and no one's re- no one, people didn't really bridge the gap that well. But like, it'd be kind of cool to have like Rebels some. Is doing really well. All right, yeah. fair enough. But I mean, to I'm take some of that. All right, fine. For the sake of conversation on this start, podcast, I was going to start watching that this weekend. Actually, it's awesome. Yeah, can't Red, recommend it enough. Red Bull. Um, sure. Cool. Well, um, I got like thirty more things, man. Oh, go for <laughs> it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, obvious stuff. Star Wars Rebels expansion, boom. Star Wars Episode Seven expansion, boom. I think a lot of those are going to have to be aesthetically different. Guarantee you that if either of those exist, sure, the Episode Seven one will. That'll be paid. Oh yeah, that'll we're be paid. We're not getting also. Episode Seven Stormtroopers without paying that extra money. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we talked about getting a campaign. I still want in-atmosphere dogfights. Like I don't want to have to go to space for that. Uh, we had a tweet from. Oh God, where is it? From William. He said in space he wants to take down ships. And then oh, that transitions boarding. into boarding. Oh God! Right? That's awesome. Like you disable it, and then you board it, and then you you know That's, take stuff. Yeah. Just take that. Yeah, take that yeah. Assassin's Creed. Which thing. again plays into like the the idea of Battlefield Bad Company to rush style gameplay. Uh, I don't ever want to play as a Jedi in Battlefront. Yeah, me neither. Do. In Battlefront Two, you could basically just get a kill streak, and that would let you play as Boba Fett or Darth Vader or Obi Wan or whatever. I don't want any of that. Why? Because the the thing about Battlefront that's interesting for me is you are that expendable soldier. Mm-hmm. You are the like you are the one little guy making that little that big difference in a in a big battle. And to suddenly like take that away and it's like now I got a lightsaber. You're playing a different game. Mm-hmm. Sure, that feels like a perk. No, you're totally right. I, I don't I, want that major advantage. I don't want like I want to fight alongside a Jedi. I would love for like okay we're there and Darth Vader is here <laughs> and he is fighting alongside us to get to the rebel base. And we are protecting him, and we are ensuring that the path is just paved for him. Yep. Like stormtroopers do. Like, when he boarded Tantive Four, he had this, this, like, flank of stormtroopers. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It was awesome. I want that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I'd, I'd like to have lightsabers as a weapon, but not just be super overpowered with them. Yeah. That's one thing that really like bugs me. I don't quite know how to use it. Is, like, yeah, in, in, like, the prequels, there are, like, a million lightsabers everywhere. And theoretically, somebody yeah. collected them, like General Grievous or whatever, or Jawas, or somebody's just like, we're going to sell these. You know, we're going to sell these to grade schoolers, and they're going to put each other's eyes out, or whatever. <laughs> That's, here's a laser pointer. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, Obi-Wan's like, here's a very special thing. And it's like, they, we, we've seen how many of them there are. You yeah. know, like, there's no... like they, But that was the big deal thing. Like, Luke lost his and had to make a yeah. new he couldn't just go out to, like, the, you know, the five and dime or whatever, the, the old, go on eBay, <laughs> look up lightsabers, you know? I don't know. That'd be kind of cool if you could have lightsabers, but it's like it's really up to you if you want to use that. It'd be like yeah. using, I don't know, like using a sniper rifle, where it's like you kind of have to be good at 
knowing what you're doing. Like, you know, yep. you're going to... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to get close. So that's the thing with, like, vehicle combat is a huge thing in dice games. And when you hop into an AT-18 and an AT-ST, those are enormously powerful things. But I want it to be that kind of risk. I want you to have to be good to use it effectively. To that end, I would love... Because the entire game is a first-person game. A lot of people want a third-person camera. I kind of like the idea of sticking it first. Yeah. Because I want to sit in a TIE fighter cockpit in first-person. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But... I love the idea of getting into an ATSC and just having that crap window to look through. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like I have amazingly powerful guns, but I don't know anything that's mm-hmm. anywhere else around me. It, yeah. Oh, like, I'd like it to be a little bit like Titanfall, you know, like, and there's going to be dudes like, you know, jetpacking and yeah. grappling, hooking up on yeah. there and Ewoks throwing totally. logs at you and you're just. Traps and stuff on Endor would be awesome. <sighs> yeah. Oh, man. Yep. Great. Uh, I'd love if you were in an ATST in the cockpit and you saw the side of a tree trunk come in <laughs> and basically kill you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, or, or I want a, a kill streak awesome. perk to just be the Death Star destroys the map and everyone loses. <laughs> <laughs> the Call of Duty. Yeah. That'd be so great. Uh, Alex tweets. He says he wants to jump from his crashing speeder bike onto his friends. Oh, yeah. damn. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Totally want that. Uh, I would like for space combat to have separate objectives from ground objectives, like rather than oh it's conquest, but you're in space and you have to get out of your ship, which is fun to get in and just do ground combat, but in space, like have separate stuff going on, like destroying or taking down a, a Corellian uh, Corvette or something else like that. Uh, Jeff says that he wants Tauntaun combat, big fan of that. John says he wants Bantha combat, big fan of that. <laughs> yep. What Animals. about that Dubak? What about Dubak? Bantha Dubak? combat? Like Dubak. like battering rams and everything? Except like, they're just really slow. Like riding a Bantha. Be like the Far Cry elephants. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. it would. Just with oh, a lot of man. hair on it. Yeah. Okay. But I would love to be out on Hoth and be like, all right, well, some people take Tauntauns. And I got now, I want, now I want a Tato and Far Cry game. <laughs> Jeez. That would be pretty good. <laughs> with Kowaki and lizard monkeys jumping out of the trees <laughs> yep. trying to kill you. Crate dragon. Your, pulling your eyeballs out. Oh, my God. Far Cry too. You have Tatooine malaria? Uh, that's all I got. I'm cool. This video that's uh, that's a lot of fun. Um, all right. Finally, we got one big topic, which is the forgotten legacy of Deus Ex: Human Revelation, and why we're excited for a new one, and also the fact that revolution, have... De- Vever- human revelation, revelation. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, um, human revelation. Yeah. Uh, the Twitch uh, Square Enix has been streaming this weird viral thing on uh, Twitch.tv slash Can't Kill Progress. We don't know if it's Deus Ex. It seems like it could sure be. Sure, looks like it. Like it all of the, the imagery between the camera shots is that like angular like shapes and colors, mm-hmm. like the, the triangular okay. kind of shapes that looks kind of polygonal. Sure. Like there. It's also a, hot right now. It's true. But That's, there was that original. Image I don't know if you've been on Tumblr, but Tumblr isn't a Deus Ex game, and there's a lot of bunch of that crap on there. <laughs> what if Tumblr has been a Deus Ex or ARG game for, for the past ten like years. ten years? Yeah. It would explain why I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like a lot of the imagery is very triangular in the way Deus Ex's imagery was, and there's high tech stuff, and the handcuffs the guys wearing have like that that exact yellow mm. shade glowing out of them. I yeah, I'd be down with some some more Deus Ex. Me too. Um, yeah, Human Revolution was awesome. Uh, Mitch and I were talking about this earlier. It's weird that. Everyone loved that game when it came out. Was it 2012? 11? Yeah. Uh, we all dug that game when it came out, but no one talks about that game anymore. Like, yeah. Everyone still talks about Skyrim. Everyone still talks about Dark Souls. It had its, still talks about it had its problems. Well, because yeah. like the, it, what happened was it came out and it was awesome, and then there was a mobile port of it, which was weird. Well, it was the fall. The separate, yeah, but it was like set in the same sort of universe. Yeah. in the same universe, and then they ported that mobile port to PC, which was bad. Yeah. So people's last two sort of tastes 
of Deus Ex are kind of sour. And it was like there was a bad novel and a bad yeah. comic. Yeah. So the bad Wii U port. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was weird. Wolf. So there's the, yeah, there was just like it's it's not they didn't really just end on a high note like they end on the high note and then they came out and played three bad songs and it's just like <laughs> uh. yeah. so um that's the, my my big worry nowadays with anything is that I you know you see stuff like this and it's like check out our new game stay a section like awesome it's coming to iPhone and, so, and you're like damn it <laughs> yeah and like I get that I have no problem with iPhone gaming I play some games on my phone but when when it's a game like that which I feel like should be realized on a console or on a PC, like full-fledged in, in, in all its glory. Um, and it, it it's a basically like swipe to attack mm-hmm. puzzle game like on iOS. Like I'm less enthused about that. So I'm always worried. I'm, I'll am i wait until something actually comes from it. I really doubt that they'd be promoting uh, an, an iOS game on Twitch. You never know. I mean that's that's true, but it would seem kind of kind of just a little bit tone deaf and barking up the wrong tree given that not a whole lot of people on Twitch stream iPhone games, you know? Yeah, they like, they do here and there. Here and there, but it's like they know what they're going. That's a that's a core gamer crowd, you know. Yeah. No, I'm 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 being uh, cautiously pessimistic. Okay, <laughs> that's, so that's fair. Do we know when this thing ends? So the the Twitch description Life? is like <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> the Twitch description. For There's this a human revelation. Is like a, uh, a box beneath it that says like voting phase begins on whatever time it started today, and then there's another thing on the next day. And then it's like the final voting phase is 8.30 a.m. on Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. So I would assume that they will announce at the end of that. Yeah. Whatever the voting phase is, I don't really know. It's so super unclear. If, so if a new Deus Ex gets announced this week, do we think it comes out in 2015? No. You don't think this is a fall game? No. They might say it is and then push it. Ah! <laughs> no, we're getting to the part where they're going to be start to they're going to start to gear up for games that are going to get announced at E3, you know? It's yep. not yeah. that far-fetched. Oh, totally. I'm yeah. sure we'll see it this year, maybe E3 or sooner. Like, maybe there'll be an event mm-hmm. that we'll go to. It. I, I would E3. say, like, in, in general, uh, and somebody asked that about about Fallout. Like, do you think it'll come out this year? And I'm like, I doubt it. Like, I think it's so hard to keep a secret for anything now. I have a feeling, like, we know most of the games coming out this fall, and E3 might confirm a few new ones. Sure. But I think anything new that gets announced this year not anything. That's a kind of a dangerous blanket sure. statement. Most new games that get announced this year probably won't come out this year. Yeah, there are those handful, and there are, I mean, Bethesda is one of those companies like Rockstar and like Valve that's just like, no, like we don't tell you what we're doing, and so when we reveal totally. the game, it might be done. Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, yeah. What's up? Do we know what their what their sort of like the last few Fallout games have looked like in terms of that? Like, was it like announcement and then release, or was it yeah, like? I think Fallout yeah, Three was announced was. and released in the same year. That's yeah. insane. I don't know okay. what they with New Vegas, but that cool. was not Bethesda. Yeah, they, they must. Published. Yeah, they published they it. Yeah, yeah um, they they were pretty tight though. They their their model for a second. I think they did with this with, I think Dishonored was revealed in a Game Informer cover, mm-hmm. and then it got a trailer at either E3 or VGAs, and then it was just like out the next year yep. or something. Yeah. And yeah. like Skyrim was like then announced at the VGAs at 2010 at the VGAs, and then that was out the because next. they had 11, 11, 11 as a release date. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, we because they're like, we can't miss this. There's so many mm-hmm. ones. I love when that happens when they're just like, hey, we're making a new game you never knew about, and it's out next month. Goodbye. Yeah. That's yeah. the best. It's it's so much different. Mm-hmm. It's so different than like, hey, are you ready for Zelda? Cool. See you in 2017. I'm so excited for some new games to talk about, you know, because yep. this year has so far been a lot of stuff that we were just waiting for. Yeah. For last year. A lot of stuff yeah. that was... stuff you played two years ago. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. But it's prettier now. Um, speaking of new stuff, there's new stuff. This new stuff. Let's talk about the the new stuff. Whoa! We didn't, the this new, isn't even... <laughs> that's not news. We forget the news ghost. We keep like, forgetting. Where's the, where's the ghost? Where That man hasn't haunted... Or Somebody woman busted hasn't haunted him. He got busted show. for possession. 
You can't you can't do that? Did I make every that time. again? Yes. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. You can't I just, do I it every time. That was literally. Sorry, the I, sorry, you I forgot that. I forgot I made the joke. I'm embarrassed. Take your Alzheimer's medication. Yeah, twi- that's twice now. I should have said he three was times busted for Beetle stealing a car. <laughs> the ghost stole a car. Why yeah. did he steal a car? I don't know. To go tr- to to draw to to get to the other side. Of <laughs> see, it's a ghost joke. That's good. All right, that's I turned good. it around. I see what you did there. All right. Um, coming out this week, we've got Aru's Awakening for PS4 and PS3. This is a this this is a really good month for PlayStation Plus. Yeah, yeah a bunch of new games for you. Aru's you're, Awakening. You're just plus games, not no, no games coming out all, this week. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Aru's Awakening is it's inspired by the teleporter in Unreal Tournament, but it's a hand drawn like surreal platformer. Yeah. That's the story behind it. That's yeah. so weird. Awesome. That sounds good. Okami yeah. Dog platformer looking thing. Yeah. It's yeah. Super it looks Very really. Beautiful. It looks really weird. It yeah. looks a little bit like the Max. I kind of yeah. get that vibe from yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, which I'm into. Um, we're gonna we're gonna make that the first part of our uh, our our video game book club that we're yeah. gonna do. Yep. Is that thing um, you're doing? Yeah. That's the thing we're doing. We're gonna um, do it with, nice. a, with a PlayStation Plus game, a free one every month. Oh, we're gonna be like, hey, everyone who has PlayStation Plus can play this game. Yep. Somebody got real salty and sassy saying that we ripped off um, Greg and Colin, who are doing a similar thing. But or it's FM that did this. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Or book clubs that have done yeah. this for uh, or drunk decades. moms who've or, done this for or hundreds of years. Stone. Yeah. Clubs that started when people etched, yeah. and sometimes there were cave drawing yeah. clubs. Where um, also, I don't want to tell you your idea is not that original, but uh, also yeah. our, anyway, our book club can be neat, and the kind of funny book club can be neat. You'd yeah. be a part yeah. of two book clubs. That's true, but like not a third though. You might, you might go, build a, a, a backlog. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> go to all um, the book clubs you want to go to. Yeah, so if you, you got a PS4, or PS3, uh, and you listen to our show, and you'd like to be part of this discussion, uh, Ari's Awakening is free yeah. for PlayStation Plus right now, so you can. We're gonna, we'll jam start on a thread that. on the Facebook group. So how's this gonna work? We're just gonna start playing and then start talking about it little by little on the yeah. show each week. Yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. talk to people on the Facebook group. Yeah, I've never actually been in a book club. You guys, I'm really excited about this invite. Most of them are just an excuse to get drunk. Yeah, I, sure. it's a lot we of. We might like, not do that here, but you know. My mom was in a book club, and they just got together and gossiped about the town, not <laughs> the movie. The uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we've got uh, we got Bastion yeah, on a PS4. PS4. Yeah. It's uh, out out today. There you this go. Goes up on Tuesday. That game. If, you, is if you missed this on every other platform, it's never been on a Sony platform though. It really? Never, yeah, never appeared yeah. on wow, uh, PS3. I feel, yeah. I feel bad now. I feel yeah. dumb. This is um, the, uh, wasn't that watched, out for Ouya? Ugh. No, seriously, wasn't that out for Ouya? Probably. Yeah. I think it came out for Android and iOS as well. Yeah. So that's kind uh, of awesome that's game. Cool. Yeah, very, very if you cool, liked Transistor and never played it, this is Super Giant's first game. It's awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm. I'm uh, actually. I'm personally not a fan. I actually of think it's better than Transistor. Ooh. Whoa. Oh wow. Not Crazy a fan. Talk Whoa. I love Transistor so hmm. much more. Really? Yeah. Transistor like story, story and, and combat is like way better. Yep. Okay. Um. Anyway, I think you're wrong. <laughs> uh, Dark Souls. <laughs> Two. That's how that works. <laughs> Dark Souls to a scholar of the first sin. Yeah. It's PS4 and PS3. Yeah. Uh, Marty, are you? This? Yeah. Uh, my review might be up by now, uh, depending on when this is. Uh, yeah. So this is the uh, sort of like think of it as the like game of the year special edition version of Dark Souls Two. Uh, it's coming. It's on PS4 and Xbox One now. It's also coming out on PS3 and 360, which is weird. Um, There's different stuff. Can I ask you a There's question? Stuff. Yeah. Now that I've I've, I've sunk 25, 30 hours into Bloodborne, is this a game I should try? <sighs> The, it's going to feel weird going back to it yeah. it feels weird for me going back to the game the game is much slower yeah uh, and combat is very different okay hmm. uh, but yeah I mean if you, if you yeah but I mean you can't play Dark Souls 1 next year but yeah this has uh, the game looks gorgeous it runs incredibly uh, it has all three uh, crown DLC pieces which are awesome and have amazing dungeons and bosses uh, and it also has harder enemies and different enemy placement and this game is really hard like I'm like four hours into it and it is very difficult Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of new stuff. Like, you'll walk into an area and go, like, I don't think that guy was there before. Yeah. 
I think I can take them, and you certainly cannot. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but if you, yeah, if you, if you finish Bloodborne and and are still craving more, pick this up. Cool. Good, good video game. Um, another PS Vita game coming out is Element 4i, and I was checking this out. This looks kind of awesome. It's um, very whimsical indie platformer thing, mm-hmm. but you basically play as the four elements. You're like a little. You can be air, and you're like a little ball, and you can be fire, and you're a little ball that jets around, and you could be. I guess a rock and you slide on stuff and then water makes, I don't know. It's, it's like, you're just kind of swapping between behaviors and then platforming your way through the world. It's got a, it's got a soundtrack by musicians, actual musicians, like uh, it's exceptional soundtrack by mind tree, mind tree which it's, if you're into like whimsy, whimsy and it's, it's very pretty. Um, might be worth I checking out. Pot was involved in this game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not to sound like a cop, but that would be my guess. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it looks, it looks, it looks cute. There's also um, for PS4, PS3, and PS Vita. This is cross by. You can get Crinkle Crusher. Oh, thank God! If you want, both, both of them have. You want to crush some crinkles? Yeah. Um, Wait, both of those words have K's? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I should have clarified. Getting a that. little close to clarified also. With a K. <laughs> um, Just saying. I don't name games. Now here's our next here's our next book club. We got uh, two book clubs. We're doing two oh, book man. clubs. So whatever Sony platform you have, assuming it's not a PS2, you can get in on this, uh, and it won't cost you anything if you have PlayStation Plus, which you probably should because it's a really good service. Yep. Um, Monster Bag. Whole bag of monsters. Yeah, whole bag of monsters. That sounds it's awesome. actually the bag itself is a monster. This is one of those Vita games where I watched the trailer for it. I don't know what it is. It looks like um, looks like Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, mm-hmm. uh, but you, apparently you're a bag who. You're a forgetful Nia leaves behind her monster backpack, V, on her way to the bus stop. In a world afraid of monsters, help V catch up to Nia, avoiding being seen by the humans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Watch out for the apocalypse. Wow. Classic apocalypse. I have no idea what this game is about, so... We're going to discover it together. Yeah. Oh, We're okay. going to talk about that, too, over the next, few, bags. next few things. Uh, Stealth Inc. 2, a game of clones. It's coming to PS4, PS3, and PS Vita. Cross by. Uh, I played a little bit of the first one, and I... I was not a fan of it. It was Vince really liked this one. Okay, it's one of those. It's one of those Wii U game, right? Yeah. It's a no. yep. It's a, what is it? Stealth puzzle platformer where you play the role of a clone escaping a sinister and high end testing facility. Man, you push around some blocks. You you're you're kind of Despicable Me ish. Yeah. Yeah. Little minion guy. Um, yeah. Tower of Guns. It's coming yep, to PS4 I'm and in. PS3. What's that about? PC this, y'all. This looks awesome. This looks like a lot of fun in a totally weird, stupid way. Um, it is, uh, it is a roguelike, procedurally generated first person bullet hell. So if you've ever wanted to be inside a shmup, running around, shmup. and you wanted the, each level to be different with magic and math, then that could be yours. <laughs> All right. It looks it looks totally ridiculous. It looks like if uh, Borderlands ate peyote and just <laughs> was, Jesus. It was having a really bad trip. I don't I know. Like that. Uh, but yeah, it seems very kind of like like old school, like uh, just the, the good shooters That's when they free were good. With PlayStation Plus too. That is also yeah. free with PlayStation Plus. It's a really good month, so yeah. get out there and get some get some free games. No more PlayStation Minus for you guys. Yeah, yep. that doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, this is fun. I'm, yeah. I'm having a good time. I'm excited to play Monster Bag. I'm actually really looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah, yeah. go over to the uh, our Facebook group. Yeah, hop in there. Beyond. Yep. we're gonna be talking about the game. Get those conversations going. Yeah, yeah. make make some friends, and of course you can email us. We are just beyond at ign.com. You can find all of us on Twitter. Hey, I'm what. There's one more segment. Was there one segment? Yeah. Oh, that's right. The secret thing. I'm sorry. It's not even a secret thing. I'm, se- I'm sorry. Well, I, admit, I said it was secret to make me feel better about it. Oh, okay. It's really hot in here. Yeah, I trust really you and here. I love you all, but I have to go shoot a video about 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 pizza stuff. Wait. So do we want to do you want to save the segment for next week? No, just power through it. Okay, we're gonna power Let's through it. it. Uh, Central fifty. 
Uh, in case you don't know, a lot of people have been, uh, if you tune into the episode and you're confused, uh, we are each week picking a game that we think is one of the essential 50 PlayStation games from any PlayStation platform. Yep. PS1 to PS4, Vita, PSP. Uh, it's We're usually skewing towards exclusives or first-party games. Not necessarily. Brian chose uh, Killer7, which yep. is a super rad game. Uh, this week, uh, my choice is Ratchet & Clank, A Crack in Time, which, in my opinion, is the last great and the best Ratchet and Clank game. I don't know. Are you guys fans of the Ratchet and Clank series? Yeah. Here and there. Yeah. 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 I thought Kraken Time was great. Yeah. So Kraken Time, it, it sort of took the, what Insomniac did so well with the originals where it's like, here's this really good sense of humor, this really funny cartoonish Pixar sort of world, and these really charming characters, and then gave this really amazing time travel mechanic to it where like, you and you and Clank get separated and you're slow, like uh, Clank has his little minions of zonies and little robots that you're guiding around the world. <laughs> but also it has the best weapons of, of the entire series. Uh, I love their their what Insomniac does with uh, their weapon progression is the more you use something, the more powerful it becomes. And so it's allowing you to say, like, hey, if you like using the tornado gun or if you like using Mr. Zircon, this is going to become more powerful as you go on. Hmm. Um, yeah, I just I, – I adore that world. I think the, the core mechanical loop of killing things, exploring, and then upgrading your character is fantastic. Uh, the writing is – spot on, especially in this version. Uh, the series has sort of tapered off a little bit with the there was the multiplayer version, the all for oh, one yeah, which wasn't yeah. that great, and then there was the tower defense one, yep. which I didn't like as much. Aren't uh, they making a movie? Uh, yep. So they're making a movie they're and they're the remaking, yeah, the original Ratchet and Clank for PS4 yeah. like from the ground up. Which wow. We haven't heard about that in a while but maybe that's going to be one of those games. That, we haven't heard about either of those things no, in a while. Maybe, the, maybe we'll see more of it at E3 and that'll be the game that, that oh, one of the PS4 games that fills the, mm, the fall void. Sure. Um, something. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Ratchet & Clank is, uh, as, as someone who misses the era of 3D character platformers, it's one of the few things, uh, especially on a, a PlayStation console, that's still carrying that torch. Yep. Uh, and I really, Kraken uh, Time to me is it's the best place to start, and it's the best one of them, uh, and I really hope that uh, the Ratchet & Clank reboot, remake, or whatever it is, sort of brings that series back, because I enjoy that series. Cool. Yeah. Thumbs Good up. Kick, Marty. Sure. Yeah, I did it. Sounds good. All right. On that note, now we can leave. It's re- I'm I'm apologize for trying to end things abruptly. We no, it is clearly, just really it's hot. really hot, hot in here. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Anyway, a dog died. Underneath you can the follow table. us on Twitter. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I'm Max Scoville. Marty is McBiggity. <laughs> Brian is Agent Bizzle, and Mitch is Mitchy D. Uh, and you can check out the stuff we do on IGN.com. Um, go go look at that. There's yeah. a lot of it. One last thing. There's Spotify is on PS4 now. Oh, yeah. God. We didn't even talk about that. It's and awesome. You can listen to custom soundtracks through Spotify while playing anything you want. So that if you're playing a game this weekend, listen to my album. It's called Misanthrope under Brian Altano. Oh, it's on Spotify. Album on Spotify? Spotify? Yes, it is. All right. And cool. audio. Is it going to be on everything. Tidal? It's already on title. Is it on beats? Wait, is title a real thing? It title's a real well, thing, and real? it's already on there, and nobody asked me if it could be on there. <laughs> <laughs> Jay-Z, where my money at? Cool. All right. So yeah, it's instrumental music. Go listen to it. Love you all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can also you can play some Battlefield Hardline and shoot people while listening to Backstreet Boys, which That's is a right. weird, That's weird thing Nice. Yep. All right. On that note, Beyond. 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 This was creepy. <laughs> Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.